Supergirl, The Flash, Arrow, and the Legends Unite on the Geek Confidential Podcast. DC TV crossover Invasion, which featured Supergirl, The Flash, Arrows, which was its 100th, an- uh, 100th episode, and Legends of Tomorrow. Joining me as always, I have Craig Peters. Welcome, Craig. Hey, Luke. And also joining me is a friend of the podcast I produce, um, Dan Pierce. Welcome. Nice to be here. Thank he, you so much for having me. He has a bit of history with uh, with uh, Daytime Confidential, the mothership for all my sites. Uh, he was an intern back in the day, and now he's gone on to a big, a big bright future. But he also hosted his own podcast, and he and I were chatting about the crossover and some other things. And I was like, "Hey, you want to come on and discuss Invasion?" He was he was like, "Absolutely." So welcome. Thank you very much. I didn't want to fail the city, you know. Fail. There you go. <laughs> and and if your Instagram is any indication, you are a big fan of Diggles, so um, we, it will it goes right in line. Absolutely. Well, let's just start real quick with um, an overview. Um, overall, uh, quick impression. Dan, you're the guest. What did you think? I thought it was fantastic. I really felt that. This crossover was a bit of a culmination of the character development of all sorts of the characters throughout all four shows. Kara finally being integrated into the DC universe fully. Uh, A lot of the characters from Legends who were from Flash and Arrow getting their next logical step within their previous shows. Uh, Obviously, Oliver dealing with uh you know what if i didn't get on the queen's gambit barry still dealing with all of the fallout from flashpoint because yep. it's it, it's been a taxing uh taxing year for him um but i mean that's what happens when you script the timeline as badly as he did just just say it. <laughs> i i love on social media instagram and twitter all of the blame it on barry memes that pop up it, it, it's one of my favorite little sides uh, Absolutely. Craig, what did you think overall of the four episodes? Well, I enjoyed it. I'm not as big a fan as Dan is. I, I, I saw some flaws and had a few problems with it, but it was nice seeing all the heroes together. There were a couple things that kind of threw me out of the universe, but uh, seeing Supergirl um, with, the, uh, with the more serious heroes in the other verse, we're, that's, that was all fun. Okay. I thoroughly enjoyed it. For me, after the disappointment of Batman v Superman, being Ugh. able to, being able to see that, like what Dan mentioned, the character development and the evolution of some of these storylines come together. I love the fact that we have spent, well, in the case of Arrow, five years with these characters, and we have all this back history, and all of a sudden they're bringing it together for this mega crossover that involves Barry and the Legends and Supergirl. I I had more fun with these four hours than I think I did any of the DC movies this last year. It was, 
it, it was way better than Batman v Superman. It was significantly better than Suicide Squad. There were there were more moments of humor that I just thoroughly enjoyed, and we'll get to it in a bit, than even like the Harley Quinn um, best moments of Suicide Squad. So I was <laughs> I was overall pretty happy with it. I do realize that there are some issues that people have, but all in all, when I'm thinking about my just enjoyment of comics and comic book television, it it delivered what I was looking for just from a, and I look for fun when I do it. Barry, Legends, the jokes, that's, that's what I'm looking for. Let's talk a little bit about Supergirl. So even though it was a four night crossover or four show crossover, and it was advertised as that, there was also the fact that it was made known that Supergirl was sort of going to be a prologue episode, so we didn't get as much of the crossover. Barry and Cisco showed up in the, like literally the last two minutes, but we had hints of it throughout the episode. I do want to discuss the episode, though, but just because I, for me, we haven't discussed Supergirl, I mean, since we launched Geek Confidential, we haven't really had a chance to discuss the Berlanti-verse, as I like to call it. But I have found significant improvement this year in the the show, um, in Supergirl. I was really concerned about what was going to happen after Callista Flockhart left. And I think that on for the most part, they have worked around that and succeeded in most areas. I still think that Jimmy Olsen is the weakest link of the show. But for the most part, I think that it's doing really well. What did you think of Medusa, Dan? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I, I, I've had some issues with the season of Supergirl with, with the loss of Calista Flockhart. It's, it's really been, I, I feel as though Cara Danvers as a character has lost her mentor in a way uh-huh. where, whereas, you know, Cara Danvers versus Supergirl kind of in, in comparison, um, I have enjoyed moving win into the deo i've enjoyed more of uh john jones and the alien aspects that earth has already had um i will say the i the problems i had with medusa were they were trying to solve every single conflict throughout like the entire part of this entire season you know john's poison slash cancer of turning into a white alien um alex coming out to her parent or her mother and uh her relationship with maggie which i think um, has been a highlight i think that oh, yeah. rela- that maggie and alex's relationship has been one of the things that i have found to be the filler in for Callista being gone in terms of emotional impact oh absolutely i i just think when you're solving so many problems yep. all in one episode you're kind of you don't have as many places to go story-wise and other than the fallout of solving all of these problems all at the same time. I haven't been able to connect with Monel as a character whatsoever this season. It's kind of one of those things where I, you know, we saw this Jimmy Olsen romance that kind of fizzled out and that's pretty real to life. And we saw with Adam, who was Cat Grant's son, um, it kind of petered out there as well i will say though that that relationship considering it's a real life relationship as well she had more chemistry with him than she ever did with jimmy olsen 
Oh, I agree completely. I never really understood the Jimmy Olsen romance. I kind of actually liked it when when Wynn liked her because it was so unconventional. And he was so blatant and like forward. Uh-huh. Like to the point where he, he kissed her at one point and and they had to deal with the fallout of that. That's so realistic. That and it's such like a interesting type of relationship that you don't normally get to see portrayed even in the fantastical i i i really enjoyed it um but this season overall i i think it's on the right track to get better um but it's been it's been a slower build um but i'm interested to see where it goes i have thoroughly enjoyed manel's introduction i think that the fish out of water stuff with him not understanding things is fun. I like the question, even though I firmly believe he's the supposed playboy prince, um, even though that's still a question in the air that they haven't clarified yet. I enjoy that aspect of it. I really think that of all of the the main characters that we've seen, because Cat's son wasn't around for very long, he's had the most chemistry with Supergirl. I also think that it's a better incorporation of a potential male superhero character into Supergirl than Jimmy Olsen as a superhero. I, both seasons, I just find Jimmy Olsen, the character, first of all, I don't find him to be engaging. He doesn't have a lot of presence. I don't believe him as the person in charge of Cat Grant's empire. And now he's out fighting crime. It just doesn't work for me i would be perfectly happy if he was a character that we only saw once every few episodes and i don't like that his story because it's so independent of supergirl seems to distract from her fighting villains whereas manel's seems to be intertwined one way or another i can Uh, understand that especially well I mean, to be fair, this portrayal of Jimmy Olsen is leaps and bounds better than No Name Photographer Who number gets shot seven. In the head. Yes. <laughs> At the Batman beginning for... of Batman Superman. Oh, that was so bad. That was terrible. That was now, admittedly just the worst. Craig, I know that in the first season <laughs> of Superman, you are Supergirl. You were not a Supergirl fan. No. And, and that from the discussions that you and I have had regarding Supergirl this season, which I think is drastically improved, you have not been overly impressed or even enthused, shall we say. Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, the Medusa episode? Well, you probably know that I am intimately acquainted with Supergirl from when I was a teenager. I mean, I had those comics. I read those comics. I knew her very well. We had some quiet nights together, as you might imagine. I really and... don't want to know about that. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, and my. It is, as, as lighthearted as Superboy and Supergirl were back then, this is this is almost too much. I just, I just every time I watch it, I feel like a, I've got maple syrup, syrup poured over a donut. That's how I feel. It's just a little too sweet, a little too sappy, not not really serious it's like you know just a a a teen it's like i don't know the um like bewitched or sabrina something like that it just it just gives me that feel i don't get any serious feeling from it i don't get any serious backstory or understory yet i mean finally flash came up with something i thought was pretty serious so i'm enjoying flash more 
uh, this specific episode, it's like it's like Dan said, they threw everything at the wall, thinking some of it would stick. And the Thanksgiving turkey. And the Thanksgiving turkey, exactly. So, uh, I'm not a fan of the Jimmy Olsen character. The only care, the only thing I liked about the first step, the first uh, season was Callista Flockhart, and she's gone now. So I don't, I don't have that. I, I, I wish they could do more to make me empathize or or feel for for the Martian Manhunter character. The, the that guy I would really like to be more engaged with, but even he is just not. I don't know. They're not. They're not writing him very well. They're not giving him enough to do. Uh, you know, he's super powered, of course. Um, I, I will have to agree with you a little bit. I'm I'm looking forward to see what happens. Though I hate the name Mon L. That sounds one dimensional. You know, Mon L just seems. Uh, so other than the name, I like the I like the character. I like the guy. I thought, thank God, they're throwing a different love interest. We'll see how that works out uh, with with Kara L. But not a big fan of of this specific episode. Um, don't see much hope for it. But I mean, we'll see. Well, now that you've depressed us, um, oh, sorry. Uh, what, what did you? So, what are you thinking of how Maggie and Alex's relationship has evolved over the season thus far? It's not surprising to me, but it, it feels—I don't know—it felt a little like they're jumping the shark too early. It—it just—it doesn't feel natural. And maybe you guys disagree with me, but it—it it feels like they're—they're they're doing something just to add some, some. I don't know to please some part of the audience or to to put a little spice in the in the mix or to add a little extra love interest it it just didn't come up naturally to me so I kind of like the idea but I don't feel it was as natural as I would have liked it to be Dan what are your thoughts I think Alex's journey kind of began with Kara coming down there and her having to spend her entire life protecting Kara and never being able to focus on herself and really figure out who she is as a person. And so I'm really interested to see where this goes, where, where this storyline goes, where all of this leads, because I, I think Alex as a character is one to want to know all of the information and really make a the best decision possible for the most people involved. And I think Maggie is a little bit more impulsive and gunslinger. And so it's, it's from a personality standpoint, it's going to be an interesting mixture of personalities that we'll see how it affects the relationship, how it affects their work, the DEO and through the police department, it, it kind of humanizes a lot of what the DEO is doing as well because so much of their job description is fantastical, whereas with with the cops, it's just – it's – Street level. It's street level, yeah. it's It becomes Arrow at that – or Flash at that point where like, oh, the Central City Police Department is investigating something with the, the CSIs and Joe West and all these other people, whereas in Supergirl, we never really had that level of stuff. It was always the media and the crime, and there was no in-between of the police department, the legal system, uh, the coroner's – like yeah. none of that mattered. And so 
I think this relationship is definitely going to help bring in some realism. Additionally, I also think the relationship between uh, John Jones and McGann Morgan and that kind of dynamic kind of bring in the alien culture from elsewhere and the different perspectives of what it means to be, I, I guess, one of the last people on earth of your species, of your culture, finding a safe haven. It, it speaks a lot toward uh, real life stories of refugees and stuff like that, which is pretty interesting. Plus, McGann Morgan, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Young Justice, but her whole thing, she has a relationship with Superboy. And I know yep. they're not doing a Superboy storyline, but it's it's an interesting link to explore from you know, multiple DC shows and see how true to form they stay with the character. Well, and the wonderful thing about DC comics is with all their different earths, they can sort of create their own. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the crossover, we learned that uh, Supergirl's earth is earth 38, which is fantastic. So that was a nice little nod throughout the episode. We had portals popping up at potentially inconvenient times and Supergirl wasn't sure why they appeared, but when Barry and Cisco ended up in her apartment in the last two minutes, it, she she came in from shopping and she was like, I knew it was you. And it, it was it, one of the things that I love about last season, Supergirl, was the Flash Supergirl crossover because Barry Allen and Supergirl just have great chemistry. And Those two should get together, maybe. Yes. <laughs> I co-signed that. that. Would, that one would maybe get me interested in Supergirl a little bit. Those two seem to have the best relationship of, of oh. any of these. I would have to take a slightly different opinion on that because one of my favorite moments from the crossover, and I guess I'm already getting to this way earlier than I intended, was with Supergirl and Heatwave. Their, their little dynamic was a highlight for me, and all I could think while I was watching it is, I need a buddy cop episode with just these two having to solve something. That was because funny. I liked they, that a lot. That the was, skirt. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> his, his attitude and her having to adapt to it, and then her, him having grudging respect from her, I was like, I need this as a Is, it, is it rude to call her a teeny bopper? She feels like a teeny bopper to me. Some sometimes well, with his with sometimes him her personality in, definitely comes off that way. But with him being kind of the foil to that, it felt it felt good. It felt like the one thing that really was right in that. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those situations. I would love to see a buddy cop, but it's also at the same time McRory couldn't solve his way out of a subway restaurant. I know, I, but I, like I, I feel like it would have to be one of those things where he goes to her for help finding Snart or something. Oh, the oh, I I got so excited about the snart stuff. Oh my gosh, I love it. Uh, so Barry and Cisco show up. They take her back to Barry's universe, and we are now in in the invasion episode of uh, the Flash. Explain how she gets all the time off to do that. By the way. Yeah, Snapper isn't exactly <laughs> a forgiving kind of boss, and anyone that's ever been in media doesn't get days off, even if it's a holiday, even if, like, just... And, and especially <laughs> in National City, where, like, holy cow, aliens everywhere, D.E.O., 
<laughs> no way. Exactly. Well, she does. I mean, I mean, and that might be the one uh, reason why Jimmy Olsen has to stick around because he can override him. Yeah, that's fair. Plus, Guardian and um, Martian Manhunter could probably take care of some stuff. Oh, and I forgot to mention while we were still on Supergirl, you guys were saying how um, you weren't really sure about Manel or Dan, you were saying that. Yeah, I was actually thinking there were scenes where I was like, I almost need a Monel and Win coupling because they, they had some very unintended chemistry. But back to the Flash, the Flash has to reveal that is part of everything that he's done with Flashpoint. Things have been screwed up. He has to do this through for Diggle. He has to do this for other characters. It's it's a it's a through line that we've seen in previous episodes on the Flash this season. The aliens arrive, and he has to try and bring everybody together. So he picks up Arrow, Diggle, Felicity, which Diggle throwing up was another highlight. I that was did, amazing. I, I did enjoy. I do enjoy that humor. Felicity calls in the legends, and he goes and picks up Supergirl. What did you think of the episode, uh, Dan? Oh my gosh! I anytime I can get the the John Diggle Barry Allen humor. I I love it. I love those two dynamics because John is so rooted in reality that there was a point, there was a line he said during the course of this as the the uh, jump ship from the Wave Rider was landing. He said, you know, I never took drugs because I thought I would see weird stuff. Yes. Well, and, and then, you know, they're time-traveling buddies. Well, first of all, what does John think happened to Sarah and Ray dur- during the course of this time that like, oh, hey, because that was one thing about Legends that I, I never quite understood where, OK, Ray goes to Oliver Lor- or Sarah goes to Laurel and they all talk it out. Bear like Barry has this weird dynamic where Stein and Jax don't go to him and Obviously, Snart and um, Mick aren't going to go to him, but he knows Snart's out there on this trip because he referenced it earlier this season with well, Joe. But they, but they found out in the episode that he had died. Yeah, well, exactly. And that was that was one of the more powerful moments where because by the end, Snart and Barry were basically friends. Yep. And that he- was... That was really cool. Sorry, Greg, go ahead. I have a little problem with all of this because, I mean, deus ex machina. Mm -hmm. Because of Flashpoint and this this thing going on with the timeline and that thing going on with the timeline, you can never be certain of anything. So maybe he died before, but now he could be alive in in some other universe and they have to go rescue him. So I have a little problem with, uh, because of the multiverse, is a... uh, well, I think they can. They can. You can go do get, anything. Can, with- I mean, we've seen on the Flash where they get another. Um, well, in another this case, change, HR. Another opportunity. I mean, we have HR this season, um, yeah. so they get can get other ones. But I think what Dan is getting at, and how I would look at it, is the the relationship between the Flash and Snart on this Earth is something that has been so special in the, how it has evolved that I don't know that you could do that by just bringing in some random snart from another Well, Earth. no, no. And so, because of the timeline well, change, it could be the same snart who didn't actually die. 
Well, that could happen in theory, so, and that might be why he, the actor has a contract with the Berlanti verse and not just one of the shows now. But yes. as of yet, we do not, we have not seen that I do, implemented. I do like the actor. I totally agree with the, with the relationship between Flash. I liked, I liked Snart. I don't like the name Snart much, but I like. I don't even like saying it. But I mean, uh, but. But I like the character. I like the actor. I like I like everything about that. I I hated to see him go, but yes. Um, but uh, I, it's well, give it a week and you'll see him again. Yeah, there, there you go. go. So yeah. what, else, what else did you think of the episode, Dan? Uh I I couldn't get enough of it. I mean, the the introductions with the names were awesome. Oliver. D- like reacting to Theo wanting to get back into the field. That was good. That that, that was some good stuff. Um, you know, everyone reacting to Kara's powers and then using him as a test run, but wait, who's going to be the leader? And then Cisco wants to nominate Oliver because Cisco's like still Pissed. really mad at, Oh, he's livid at uh, Barry for killing his brother. And then there's the whole flashpoint dynamic, and then there's the mystery of the 2056 message that Barry left Rip, which nobody explains Rip. I don't care. I don't need an explanation because I hated I that like, character. Yep. I hated that character so much. I liked him. This from the season very of Legends, and we'll get to this in the discussion. For me, <laughs> is a hundred times better without Rip and the Hawks. And as someone who loved the character of the Hawkman um, in the comics I bought, and who loved Hawk Girl, Hawkman and Hawk Girl in um, the cartoons, it pains me to say it. But this season is so much better without Rip and the Hawks. But keep. I going, think the Dan. fact that you watch Gobble's cartoons tells me a lot about your relationship with these. <laughs> I, you know, I I hated the Hawks last season. Hated them. Hated, hated them. Hated me too. And then he couldn't but, act, and she and her storyline was just. Ugh. I but, I hated her on Flash. Like I I never understood the need for her. Like I know it was all building up to Legends and all this stuff, but. I couldn't stand her. I couldn't stand Hawkman. I loved Rip, though. I was like, all Me right, here's, here's a relatable character who has, like, a kind of normal uh, problem of, like, I just want to protect my family, which very relatable in this fantastical universe. That's kind of the theme of the Berlantiverse. Let's make things relatable, but also crazy. If they ever want to bring Hawkman back again, I want them to bring um, Michael Shanks in as Hawkman so that we would have a nod to Smallville where he played Hawkman. Okay. Because I enjoyed him in the role of the gruff, like aged person. If we could get that version of Hawkman, I would have fun with it. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh no, you're fine. I really miss rip and uh snart and like, I'm really nervous that the version of snart that is going to come back eventually isn't going to be like the same. It's going to be similar to how the legends version of Damien dark doesn't have the memories of the Damien dark that we saw in season four of arrow. I, I guess reverse flash is basically just reverse flash, but still it's, it's one of those situations where the characters are being reset in a way that makes sense and is scientifically plausible in this fantastical universe. 
but we're not going to be getting the same relationships. We're not going to be getting the banter between Snart and Sarah that eventually leads into like romantic flirting. We're not going to be getting the friendship between him and Mick the same at the same level as we left it. It's it's like we're getting like a bite of what we want to eat, but we're not getting the actual meal and that that's disappointing. But in terms of the, the that part of the episode, I gotta say, I seeing the mind control, I knew it was coming because I knew they had to fight each other at some point because this is a Berlanti show and this is just what he does for fun. Well, and let's face it, the Avengers did it very well or in Captain America this last year. I mean, it's stupid not to put superhero against superhero. Oh, I know, but it, it does tend to happen every time Arrow and Flash cross over where they're at this point, you can write that in stone where like, okay, at some point there's going to be a reason for them to fight each other. Then they fight each other. Then the reason is solved through some sort of means. And then they end up fighting the bad guy. That's like act one, act two, act three. Dan touched on it a little bit, but when Sarah went and was like, are we going to pretend that Oliver isn't giving the flash instructions? That was a highlight for me. Are we going to pretend that we're not hearing his voice? Exactly. Uh, Um, That was so perfect. um, I enjoy always Oliver and Barry's dynamic, both in and out of costume. I loved how it opened up. The opening scene was like, you basically got me in a like shithole and how in some respects, like after watching this season of Arrow, which has been very much Oliver has had a lot of time or a lot of difficulty coming to terms with a supporting group of people outside of the originals. I thought it was interesting how he, for the most part, didn't mind working with everybody except for Kara and how he was the one providing the voice of the mentorship voice to Barry and I realize he's done that in the past, but I just thought it was a little bit ironic after the last season that he was the one who was trying to give Barry advice about some of the things that he himself has been dealing with. Uh, Craig, what did you think of the Flash episode of Invasion? Well, what you said about him not working, wanting to work with Kara. Earlier, apparently, he was fine with Kara being part of the group. Then all of a sudden, uh, he's changed his mind. He doesn't want her being part of the group, which, of course, sets up everything bad happening. So I found the I found the idea that that Arrow all of a sudden decides he's going to take his most powerful weapon and leave it behind it upset me and I thought that was incredibly foolish. It's like deciding you're going to fight the aliens and Avengers and not bring them the Hulk along your most powerful ally. So that bugged the heck out of me. As as far as the episode, you know, I enjoyed it except for a couple flaws. Some of the funny stuff was good, um, but it didn't seem like anything special to me. Um, you didn't enjoy the, the superheroes fighting each other. What? It's 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 like it's contrived. It's obvious. It's going to happen. Uh, I I enjoyed the action scenes, but as far as them fighting together, it just seemed like it was. Uh, from what I've seen before, it just seemed kind of old hat. There wasn't anything really creative or or interesting about it. I thought. I hate to say that because I love seeing them on the screen, but working together seems to be something I enjoyed with this group more than working against each other. One they of my... just vaporized the president, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like... exactly. 
like global implications of the president being kidnapped and just suddenly vaporized by alien invaders who there aren't sure like the governments aren't sure if they're going to be like aggressive or not is like insane to think about uh, you know i had a but it's comic kind of a... it's comics of this kind of stuff wait, wait. happens all the time wait have you seen mars attacks ever what i'm saying though is this in felt comics, like mars in... attacks much of it in comics, you have a lot of crazy stuff that happens. And these are about comic book characters. I expect that kind of crazy stuff to happen. Maybe I'm but, just wrong in that. But I, but I mean, I, I get that there's an element of realism that we want to have in these shows. But when something goes a little bit comic booky, I don't have a problem with that. That's fair. Was, in seasons like two and three of Arrow, I think the mayor was killed at least four times. Yeah, so. I mean... <laughs> It, to me, I, it, to me, it just seems in character for comic book. But Craig, what were you? Uh, what was your point about that? Well, it seems like I said it seems a little Tim Burton-y, uh, you know, a little, a little too much and a little too contrived, a little, too, a little too set up, and and so well, well, the president getting vaporized, obviously Mars attacks, which is a a weird weird movie. Um, it, it felt much like that. It didn't feel like. They'd put much energy into coming up with clever ideas. It was just the same old idea I've seen over and over and over again. So I didn't, I didn't see a lot of, other than some of the the the, the interaction, I didn't see a lot of cleverness in in that episode. Well, and I think that might, and I think that if for people who've had complaints about that, part of that might be for the fact that these four shows are all on separate shooting styles. Um, to my knowledge, has any has there ever been on network television? I know there's been at least three show crossovers, but has there ever been four shows prior to this that did a crossover event um, that were connected? I mean, I'm I suppose it might have been possible at the heyday of like the Law and Order franchises, but you don't tend to see four shows coming together for a crossover. Um, with their production schedules being out of the case, or and the first time that they've tried to do, pull off such an event. I'm sure that there are things that this time they that they learn from so that if they do it again next year, that will be streamlined and they'll have more of an opportunity. I mean, it, it would I would think that it would give them the opportunity to fill in some of the plot holes, maybe strengthen some of the show's um, storylines so that Supergirl wasn't necessarily a prologue. But don't you think that for a first attempt you that at this type of event that they pulled it off fairly well, Craig? Or, I, yeah, or is it something that you had such high expectations that it didn't meet it? I had some, I had some expectations. Yes. Um, I, you know, I got a sense. But was of, it movie level expectations or TV level expectations? No, it was, it was definitely TV level expectation. I mean, remember my favorite, my favorite comic book shows are Gotham and, and uh, Daredevil. This last season of Daredevil was a little less, but I expected that kind of, uh, serious. I think, I think you're getting. I think you're expecting the wrong thing from a DC TV show. Well, that, that, Gotham is a DC TV show. Not the same way. I understand that. I didn't. I didn't expect it to be Gotham. I know that. I didn't expect it to be like that. But I expected. I didn't expect some crappy aliens to be thrown in, like you know, men in black kind of aliens thrown in there, and and I feel like 
you know, they just threw the aliens in so they have an excuse to bring all the superheroes together. It didn't feel like a real threat. It felt very contrived. It felt very artificial. And there was no real threat from the aliens at any point that I feel there was a real threat to humanity. Just like in the Supergirl, the first Supergirl episode, uh, I didn't feel like there was they. I didn't feel like the virus is ever going to be a threat to anybody. Well, and and and, and there's this. There's got to be a sense of impending doom, as in most of the most serious dramatic TV shows and most even comic book uh, shows. You have to have some real sense of impending doom. And I, I didn't get this in this. I felt I, more impending doom in Men in Black. In fact, the first I, Men in Black movie. I felt the aliens are going to blow up the planet in in sixty minutes. I felt that sense of impending doom, and that was a comedy. This I didn't. I didn't ever get that sense of it. Did you? Well, I'll give you. I'll give you the impending doom. But I think that part of that for me wasn't necessarily their initial introduction or the fight that took place. It was how they just all flew off at the end. The, for the impending doom, it's really hard to it. The you go through four episodes of of a b- battling aliens, and then they just all fly off. That to me felt like it was a little bit underwhelming and un and undercut the triumph. I would say though that if I was going to have impending doom, whoever it is that's coming after Monel or Monel, that when that little two minute thing popped up and was it. Medusa, or was it the previous episode where and they yeah, were I like and that. where they were like, we will find him at all costs? That to me was something I'm like, that's impending doom. Dan, what did you think of the aliens? And do you think that um, the storyline could have been executed better for their doom? <laughs> I I don't think we've seen the last of these aliens. I haven't. I don't either. And from what I've been reading and listening to, it sounds like. They, we could be seeing them again on Supergirl and possibly down the road. We'll see. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's really hard. That's like judging the the um, like the the Empire it, through just seeing New Hope. You know, it's it's really difficult to think that oh, you know, they they were foiled in one of their plans like they'll be back there there's no way they won't be back because we've seen them come back uh you know 1951 showed us that hey we were here before and then we left and now we're coming back the threats and the meta powers and all of these different elements are going to continuously get better like get more powerful and more powerful because this is DC and that's just that, that happens. I mean, (laughs) it's a little bit different than Marvel's universe. Yeah. It's a little different. They, they try and go into the magic. Sometimes they'll go into the meta. Sometimes they'll, they'll mess with science and time and all sorts of different crazy elements like that. But uh, at the end of the day, I think that the aliens were, an improvement on their comic source material because I've, I've read a lot of articles. Um, one of my friends who writes for inverse was very, very scared when he heard that they were going to do the dominator storyline for this crossover because of how the original, um, 
the original Dominators were kind of caricatures used uh, to portray Asian Americans in in the sixties, and that was that was a real fear that they would like that. That makes sense. I can see that. That either you stick close to the source material and essentially risk just being incredibly offensive or you, you know, innovate it so much that they're unrecognizable from their source material. They, there was a balancing act within these aliens and conceptually that I, I think they were able to go both ways where they, they changed a lot of the appearances of the aliens but they kept it close enough to the source material to satisfy like the hardcore comic book fans. And so for that, I, I can't really complain about the aliens too, too much because they really delivered, um, providing a big enough threat to justify getting these four shows to come together. Well, now, I... if it, at, at a, I'm sorry, at a, at a far smaller level, of like, let's say there was an, one monster or one meta or one uh, time aberration that was causing like havoc within one city. I don't know if that would have been a big enough threat to justify the crossover. I on a certain level, you think about Captain Boomerang didn't really justify like that doesn't necessarily justify an Arrow Flash crossover, but an alien invasion throughout all of Earth? The aliens didn't even show up. Like, the, it would have been nice if they put the spaceships in Arrow. <laughs> when he went to pick them up, it's like, well, there's aliens here, but nowhere else? And so that was one of the things that was, for me, was like, when Diggle's throwing up, why wasn't there a spaceship off in the sky? Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a little problematic. Um, and also, but it also is... I guess set in the thought process of the aliens where they were only after metas and most of the metas tend to surround central city. So for them to show up in star city, it would have to be like one of the metas that they've already dealt with in star. Like I I want, I want to say, I'll give you that. Yeah. Okay. So, that from that perspective, it makes sense, but I agree that they weren't present enough to give the feeling of an actual war. Craig, what was your thought? Yeah, you well, wanted to say something. My thing, my thinking is this, and this is what threw me off the, on the aliens. Is you know I've watched. I don't. I, I know that you've watched some some of Falling Skies, right? Luke? I watched the whole thing. Okay, that's which what the I final season was a great disappointment. Yeah, it was a great disappointment. But those aliens were threatening. Those at every moment you knew that there was a big threat. You saw the spaceship. Okay. Can we just back. pause for a second? That's Steven yeah. fucking Spielberg versus yes. <laughs> the CW. There is, I mean, there that is first of all cable budgets, okay. cable okay, budgets, Steven Spielberg, my, okay. and I mean, he <laughs> yeah. can walk into his bathroom and create aliens on a tablet quicker and easier than. Berlanti is going to be able to do it for his four shows. I I understand, but let's go back to let's go back to the Invaders, <laughs> 1967 TV show, where you almost never saw the aliens ever. Are 
that thing with the, the tension and the the it was thrilling a 1967 tv show before any of the graphics any of the computer graphics any of the special effects that those aliens were far more far more threatening the both of the invasion of the body snatchers movies which you can't say are high quality movies were those aliens were incredibly threatening i mean the and they were done with without all the technology you have nowadays these aliens if they were that big a threat, why in the hell didn't they get Superman to come along with Supergirl? Because Superman has a lot of experience fighting. We're aliens. going to discuss Superman at the end of this podcast. What I'm saying is, if it's that big a threat, they don't just get Supergirl; they get Superman. Okay. And, and well, Barry and, doesn't know Superman. Yeah, and Barry frankly, doesn't know him. But but Kara does. Yeah, but, yeah, but if you so look wait, at how let me if get you my look cousin if, to come with. Yeah, she was like, no, she was re- listen. Kara has basically Alien come in, wait, she has come into her own. He, Barry came from her. She's like, I'm big enough and badass enough. I'm going to take care of this for myself and I'm going to help my friend out. My yeah. cousin can take care of my planet. I'll go take care of someone else's. A, that is a terrible flaw. If there's Not, really but, danger to the earth, that's one of the reasons I felt no It's not no her real, earth. It's no not real her danger. Earth. It's oh, not yeah. her earth. Oh, okay. Clark I'm has sorry. no obligation. That negates everything that DC ever did. No, that, not it, not it, not in this scenario because as Dan just said, Clark has no obligation to the alternate earths. He has no, the o- obligation to the one he laid on. But Dan provide your rebuttal, Dan. That's that's Superman. That is Superman's whole character. He has no obligation to help any other country than the United States, but he helps the entire earth. He had originally had no obligation but to his home country. But, you know, truth, justice in the American way. It wasn't truth, justice in the Chinese way. It wasn't truth, justice in, I mean, Superman came to, came to earth, but he was left with the, uh, with the, the cans and he took care of our country. He fought the Germans, he fought this, he fought that, but he was our hero. So Dan, what is your rebuttal? He's a he's a Boy Scout. He's going to help the other Earth protect itself. Sorry. Go ahead, Dan. This, this seemed to be more along the lines of immediate danger and the need to get Kara from Earth thirty eight to Earth one. That like literally, I they didn't even have time to get Jean from uh, the DEO. I'm yeah. sure he would have helped. Can I'm you sure... imagine the Flash and Martian Manhunter in the same freaking exactly. scene? That would have been awesome, but there wasn't time. There, there was wasn't plenty. time. I'm sorry, they have time machine. They have a damn time machine. There's plenty yeah. of time. Time machine isn't going through multiple <laughs> Earths, though. Yeah, I'm the time sorry. machine. Wait, wait. The time machine is going backwards and forwards on Earth One's timeline, not on, not if, on Earth 38. If you know anything about Superman. Kara could call Superman in in ten ten seconds and get him right there to be with her. I mean, he's got super hearing and well, all that, that stuff. That brings up something that I was just going to mention regarding the entire crossover. For a group of people who all a ton of them have a lot of superhero hearing, there was a lot of whispering going on that was yes. not overheard. That was humorous. But let's That's move very on. Very Arrow. That yes, let's move on to Arrow. Um, the flash um, wrapped with Barry having a big fight scene. He got to do a big swirl dance in the sky, take some people out. Then he ends up back down on the ground with arrow and 
all of his friends are being teleported up to the motherships. And the episode ends, and we end up on Arrow, where it is the 100th anniversary, where Arrow is, like, the characters from Arrow are in these pods. They have a false Matrix-like reality being created for them. Exactly. In which Laurel, heaven help us all, is still alive. Listen, Um, like, Laurel? Oh, God. She's one of my least favorite characters. I was so happy when she died. So happy. Like, her and Rip Hunter, so happy. Oh, Um, boo. I mean, I did like like that they brought her back for this episode because I appreciate that she has history with the character, but Sarah's a way better character than Laurel. And we got to see cameos by Deathstroke. Um, Arrow's parents, Damian Dark, was there. Merlin was there or Tommy Merlin and Malcolm Merlin, I should say were there. Dan, what did you think of uh, Arrow's 100th episode? I, I absolutely loved it. And I also loved, and you touched on this with um, them beaming up uh, different members of Arrow to all have the, the shared hallucination and whatnot. Oliver had a choice during like for a split second he saw Thea and John and Sarah and Ray all get taken. He had a choice to get out of that glowing light, but he saw his team. His like, some and I of love his, that they brought Ray back for, and they included Ray in that because of him being starting out on that show. I like oh, that touch absolutely. Like and and the same thing for Sarah too, because that's one thing Legends doesn't do enough is acknowledge where the characters have come from in terms of their training and all of this stuff, because like you have Sarah and like yelling at Ray earlier during episodes one or two of legends this season about how like he doesn't care about Laurel, you know, me stopping Damien dark to save Laurel kind of thing. When you look back on it, Laurel and Ray almost died in Nanda Parbat when Oliver and Raz al Ghul put down that poison in that prison. Yep. Like, that they almost died together and you want to say that they don't like, he doesn't care about her. Like that, that's always a little frustrating, but in terms of the, the arrow part of the crossover and stuff like that, I, I absolutely loved it. I, I read a lot of interviews uh, with, um, you know, Mark Guggenheim and Greg Berlanti and all of these different people. And they wanted to get even more people back. Uh, The, the way they got, Colton Haynes and um, Colin Donnell to do Tommy Merlin and uh, Roy Harper again, getting the they're they're essentially they stole foot uh, they stole footage from previous episodes to create the holograms. Yeah, and that was such a clever way of going about that. Um, I I've always been so I didn't start out a Laurel fan. I like. It took for her to kind of become Black Canary. Oh, see, that's start- the, that's the opposite for me. It was like I didn't mind her until she became Black Canary, and then I really hated her. See, see I I spent the better part of two and a half seasons hating her. I was kind of like, <laughs> this, is, this is dumb. I like Sarah better. I like Shadow better. I I don't Felicity care about is, uh, Oliver's one true love. Oh, I, I, I can't deal with Felicity. Felicity, Felicity and Oliver almost sunk the show in season four. I could not, I could not deal with them. 
it's it only i completely disagree with that i like they i like felicity in season four felicity on all seasons forget forget a specific season is amazeballs i i like felicity as an overall character but felicity and oliver as like a couple it felt like they had only listened to tumblr and nowhere else and didn't like they were eating the show. This is my biggest fear uh, of Fla- th- the current season of The Flash is that Barry Iris. and Iris are going to eat the show. I will agree with you that they they did overdo Elicity at times, but my counterpoint to that would be is I think that they added unwanted pressure or, or unneeded pressure on them by the introduction of his son and the storyline with his mother with Moira. I, I feel like they were going along pretty well in terms yeah. of just having a normal relationship when they had a pretty good work balance or work love life balance. And then they introduced the the son with the mother who was given the check by Moira. And all of a sudden the whole dynamic changed and suddenly it wasn't necessarily Oliver and Felicity that were eating the show in terms of their relationship. It was Oliver's struggle between having to deal with the fact that he had a kid and he was trying to keep it from Felicity. So I don't blame it on their romance. I blame stupid. I blame it I blame it, it on so that dumb. other storyline taking over and hijacking what was going well with Elicity. Yeah, I think that the whole idea was stupid. I mean Felicity lightened the the dark ominous uh, yes. arrow, and I totally agree with that. I I th- just think she was she was terrific. She was you know she was cute blonde. You know, she had her own little backstory, but basically she took away some of that the entire gloom that surrounded Arrow all the time. And I don't like how gloomy he is now. I think he's he's gone way too much in the other direction. Besides all the flashbacks, one I mean that literally I almost stopped watching Arrow because of the flashbacks. Yeah, my brother hates yes. that. Arrow fundamentally changed when they killed off Moira the way they did and yeah. the storylines that Moira was involved in. I liked that character from the beginning, but I feel like the way they killed her off and then the uh, the aftershocks of the revelation of him having a son really torpedoed the show but dan if you disagree you're welcome to just just mention it (laughs) the thing about the whole moira angle is we as an audience already knew that this happened and then they decided to throw it in there during the the central city stuff and it had been hinted at like repeatedly with like the money trail and there, that one time he ran into Samantha in Central City um, and knowing that Legends was going to do a Connor Hawk storyline kind of felt like that was influencing the decision to bring uh, Oliver's son into the Arrow fold and the, the Arrow landscape. Plus it gave... Malcolm Merlin and Damian Dark, a little bit of leverage to use against Oliver, even though that, I mean, Oliver's pretty, a pretty public person. He's got Thea, he's got Diggle, Felicity, all of these people Oliver cares about that they can easily access and obviously harm. Look at Laurel. Um, 
or even what happened with Roy, it's one of those situations where uh, they they were trying to set up legends, set up a crossover, set up the Hawks. They were trying to do way too much, and they were trying to do it all through maybe one to two couples. Like, Barry was sort of in there, but Barry... I don't know. Barry is not a person that you can go to and like, let me tell you, like, let me give you some advice to the problems that that's not Barry. Barry's the one seeking the advice. So it was incredibly frustrating before we get back to the actual hundredth episode. Sorry. I'm I'm, no, I'm, I'm enjoying the discussion. Haven't had a chance to discuss these shows on the podcast before, but I do hope that it will become a regular feature. I have a question because I know you are an arrow fan. I know you're reading the rebirth comics. I know that you follow it. Arrow has not been one of the characters that outside of the TV show I have followed much. Yeah. Uh, Who is like, what is the connection with the, district attorney that is seems to have anger issues am i going to see him popping up as someone i already have my own suspicions about him being one of the vigilantes that arrow's hunting this season but i try not to read too many spoilers what are your what's your thoughts on that the fan theory is that he is vigilante yeah that's pretty much that. See, that's assume. what I'm thinking, but I'm like, okay, if he is vigilante, does this character actually have a connection to the comics in the past, or is this a newly created character? I, I think he does have a connection to the comics. The problem is I haven't read far enough backward to really put okay. one and two together on that one. I do know that there, there are some inherent problems with the, with Prometheus and, um, you know, if spoiler alert for those who haven't seen the episode before the crossover, but his connection to Artemis and their whole thing going on, it's it's very indicative of the character of Artemis. But the problem is the, the producers have gone on record saying, hey, Prom- for Prometheus, think season one. So everyone's got a gazillion theories and are start about like what character would they bring back in season one that they can make evil and well, uh, Mer- Tommy Merlin for one. Yeah, Tommy Merlin's one of the uh, the fan theories. Robert Queen is another. I personally wouldn't mind uh, Walter Steele. Just throwing that one out there. Dan, give uh, before I go to Craig. Was there anything else you wanted to say about the hundredth episode uh, since we got off track on Elicity? <laughs> I I really I really thought it was very indicative of the legacy of the you know the Berlanti verse and how it did start with Arrow and at its heart Arrow is street level it it has like it's all about the character dynamics and how Oliver responds to protecting his city while protecting the people he cares about and how that's helped him evolve as a character and overcome being away from the city for five years, which they really need to stop with those flashbacks. Holy cow. Um, they said that this is, they're not going to be doing them anymore after this season, but I really think that that should have been last season. Yeah. yeah. I, I really don't care about these Russians. Like every time the Russians come on, I'm like, come on. Yeah. I, I like Dolph Lundgren and I like like his, his friend, but I liked mm-hmm. his friend in season one, and now it's just kind of like, all right, I guess we could see you again. That's fine. 
Um, but it's it, it it just seems excessive and unnecessary. I think the only past storyline that I really liked was when he was in China and fighting the the virus and hanging out with uh Tetsu, uh Masio and Akio. Uh they they kind of provided like this nice character dynamic that resonated in the present day during uh, season three where they were fighting uh, Maceo, but he was part of the league of assassins. Tetsu at that point was Katana. Like there were some interesting dynamics that kind of moved back and forth, but it has like the, the flashbacks haven't been relevant since. No. And before I go to Craig, I want to ask you one last thing about uh, the 100th episode and the crossovers. As a Diggle fan, what are your thoughts about him finding out about his child? I I was pretty upset about Barry changing. Like, I understand from a legend standpoint because of the, the John Jr. stuff, but I I always really liked I, I really liked the actress who was playing Sarah Diggle. I, I I thought she was adorable and I really loved the dynamic of Lila and Sarah and what it meant for Sarah to see like her namesake, which they never ever touched upon, but it was always like this cool what if like later in the future kind of thing. Um I don't know. I just it was really disappointing and John's reaction and eventual resolution to the whole situation I, I understand you can't miss someone you never knew, but like we're telling you, you knew this person, you were this person's father for like basically three years. That, that was super disappointing how quickly that was resolved. And I'm hoping that there are more consequences heading into the future during the course of this season, because otherwise this is just a disappointment. I, I want to see the scene where John has to explain this whole thing to Lila. That'd be good. I don't know. It, it, it's it it's frustrating. Okay. Yeah. Craig, what did you think of um, Arrow's Matrix-inspired 100th episode? <laughs> well, it's not just Matrix. There are several shows. I was joking. I know, but it, it is, that's what it is. I mean, um, I thought, I can't remember the show, but I remember a show where Someone did did decide they were going to stay back, and of course, there's nothing to stay back to because it's not real. When when Thea was going to stay back because she liked the this other reality, I thought, oh God, that can't possibly happen. So it, once again, it just seemed. I liked the fact we saw all those characters again. I liked the fact that all those actors got a a nice little paycheck for coming back and and re, re, reprising their roles. But you know the characters I really wanted to see back, they were just on there for one episode. Maybe they'll come back later. But um, again, it was it a whole episode of this. I, I felt it was a little too much. It, it was kind of fun to see them and I, the way they worked it out. So it's it's of the four, this is probably the second best for me. Um, but um, it wasn't. It didn't blow me away. It wasn't like oh my God, this is so much fun, or oh my God, this is so weird and creepy. So I didn't get any any big feeling from it, but it was kind of fun. And again, it was good to see those those old characters come back for, for one episode. 
but uh, I knew where it was going to end up, so it was awfully predictable. Now, we got to see Curtis, Wild Dog, and the Bandage Man. I don't remember the Bandage Man's full name. Ragman. Rory. Oh, I was close. I was close. Bandage, Ragman, whatever. Um, We got to see those, but did I miss it? I swear when I was watching, I didn't see Artemis. Artemis was there. No. She wasn't. Okay. It was, uh, because I knew that there were some from Legends that didn't show up, but... I, I didn't think I was like, I don't think Artemis, but what did you guys think of Supergirl um, and the flash with wild dog? I kind of dug it from the a standpoint of how much wild dog is rooted in reality. The character of Renee has been beaten up. He's been on the streets trying to, you know, stop crime and all of this very arrow esque stuff, like early arrow esque stuff. And yep. He's basically Arrow 2.0. He he is Arrow 2.0 with two handguns and a hockey mask, which yep. I'm pretty sure. I, I don't know if that's indicative. <laughs> he's of, Arrow 2.0 without Oliver's money. <laughs> yeah, he, he's Casey Jones is what he is. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, an ethnic Casey Jones. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, it was, it was interesting to see that. I was more excited about uh, seeing... R- the dynamics between Rory and Curtis with the arrow cave, um, kind of trying to, and, and Cisco trying to decipher the, the language of the, the dominators and how it was related to, uh, old Testament scripts, uh, because Rory is a Jewish character. Um, so he, he had like the knowledge of, okay, this is very similar to the lettering of, the Torah and all this stuff. So from that standpoint, that was really cool. And then for Renee to kind of make the full 180 on like, I'm, I don't apologize to people, but I'm glad there are people like you out here kind of to help, help people. At first I thought he was like being a little sarcastic, but then when you see the reactions, you know, he was being genuine and that was kind of, it was a different twist, and I really I dug it. Craig, any thoughts on uh, Flash and Supergirl with the minor era? Well, I, I love the scene where Renee. I love I love the scene where where the cyborg villainous is firing firing at the at uh, Wild Dog and Barry just at the last minute. Flash flashes in, grabs him, and and put, takes him to safety. And of course, Super Supergirl and uh, and Barry the flash are playing cat and mouse with this villain. I just loved that was so good. That was so awesome. Uh, I, I, that's, that's my favorite part of that, that, that whole, that whole dynamic as Dan would say. (laughs) Okay. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about legends of tomorrow because after arrow and his team get out of the matrix, escape the spaceship, they get back down to earth real quick. And then all of a sudden it's time travel. And it's on Legends of Tomorrow, which for me, Legends of Tomorrow, I made fun of the first season because it was just terrible. Uh, between the Hawks, Rip Hunter, and the and Vandal Savage, and the way those storylines were constructed, this season has been a hundred percent turnaround for me because the Hawks are gone, Savage is gone, Vandal Savage is gone, and it's become much more of an um, episodic adventure with a not necessarily a thin umbrella storyline, but one that doesn't necessarily provide 
as much front burner emphasis, shall we say. I mean, the fact that we had them going everywhere from zombie Confederate soldiers to Japan and being able to see these things, for me, my enjoyment level in Legends of Tomorrow ironically of all four shows if I, if they stack up and i have to watch one friday night after i get off work to start catching up legends of tomorrow is the one i'm watching first because i'm just having so much fun with it and i think that they brought a lot of that to the crossover and i think that they brought the this episode for the culmination the battle provided that i i enjoyed having felicity and cisco going into uh, the time ship and basically drooling over it. I loved uh, Heatwave, Vixen, and Steel going out and hunting the aliens. Sarah as captain has been one of my favorite developments this season. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode, but a lot of the things that were like capstones for me came at the end after the aliens were beat. So I'll get to those after we discuss the the meat of the episode. Dan, what did you think? Uh, for the culmination of the arc and for Legends of Tomorrow, so as it's evolved, this I season. like I couldn't agree more in terms of Legends of Tomorrow this season. That is the most fun television show on on this planet. Seeing the way that they've taken, kind of like almost having too many overarching storylines in season one and just breaking all of that down. Cause you want to talk about someone eating scenery. Vandal Savage oh. is just chewing up the scene to the point where I, uh, you're going to love this reference. Judith Chapman is on speed dial. <laughs> uh, that is another DC one, yes, but you are correct, yes. and you know how much of a fan I am of Judith Chapman, but that having been said, <laughs> um, no, so he may have her on speed dial, but there, as has been clearly stated on many episodes of the Daytime Confidential podcast, there is good scenery chewing, and there is bad scenery chewing. Victor Garber is good scenery chewing. For me, Judith Chapman is good scenery chewing. Vandal Savage was not good scenery chewing. Vandal Savage is like Terrell Tilford level of scenery chewing on that one. Uh, <laughs> you guys remember, you're talking to geeks. Oh, that's right. We're talking to geeks. We're talking to geeks, but sorry. That's okay. After 10 years of a podcast, when dad throws it I in, no I clue sort of know these, what he's talking about. these DC references you're talking about. Well, regardless of whether it's on soap operas or geeks, there, there can be great scenery chewing, which I think that in many ways Victor Garber is a great scenery chewer. He comes in, he'll take over those scenes, he'll eat them alive, but you enjoy every single moment yep. of it because he does it so well. And then there are bad scenery chewers who are like Vandal Savage, who comes in, eats every scene, does it so terribly, and when it, when it's all over, there is nothing left, and you are like, what the fuck? <laughs> yes. That's the yes. difference. So, Dan, keeping it, keeping in, it the in the geek, geek world. world. So, <laughs> I, I'm really, like like I said, I'm really enjoying Legends this season. It's been fun. It's been light. It's it's introduced its new characters with Nate and Amaya, um, but it's stuck to its roots. I will say the biggest... I love the GSA Oh, the JSA tie-in tie has been fantastic. I will say the biggest problem I'm have I had with this episode and it's so insignificant. Well, I had two problems. Number 1, there was no Vixen Barry Oliver moment when such a like a huge deal was put on 
you know, the Vixen series on the CW being within the Arrowverse despite being an animated series. Good point, because, I mean, you can watch that on yeah, CW you can watch, Seed, right? I yeah, think that's what uh, seasons yep. one and two are available on CW Seed. They're, they're full. It's, it, I haven't checked out the show yet, but I, I hear good things. This season, they actually added Felicity and Ray and Laurel. So, like, they're, it, it's a it's a show that's been established within the Berlanti verse and for them to completely ignore the fact that we're getting a 1941 version of Vixen fighting alongside Oliver Queen and Barry Allen. Are you kidding? Which Barry Allen besides Superman, when it comes to a lot of, a lot of DC lore, I mean, Barry, exactly. Heart of it. You know, it, it, it just seems, seems ridiculous. Um, but I, I really love, this episode i love the time travel aspect because it was very indicative like these three episodes were very indicative of the individual shows that they came from and for them to go back to 1951 and mess with the timeline like that that's very indicative of legends um i will say cisco was not necessarily 100 percent culpable to messing with the timeline because well mick and nate and amaya and felicity were all part of this and all agreed but we need to drop an anvil on the audience so that he can forgive Ugh. barry barry doesn't deserve to be forgiven there i said it he oh like, are you kidding me ooh. are you kidding me uh he, he okay if you were to have said barry doesn't deserve forgiveness for screwing with the timeline yet Okay, if you add one word yet, to that, yet, I would yet, agree okay, with you. Fair enough, yes. But to say categorically, no, I, I don't I, agree I mean, with yes. you. I don't agree I with mean, you yet. I apologize. Anyway. I apologize. I don't agree with fair. you in any way. He, I'm sorry. I have a chance to go back and save my mom. I'm going to do it. Just like Errol said in that episode, that last episode. But that does. But, but that's from Barry's perspective. That's true. But that doesn't mean that... Cisco has to forgive him and that it couldn't have taken the entire season. It could have been rather than having Cisco have this moment on legends of so tomorrow. You're, all you're saying where is that, it's, uh, I don't know this. What I am saying is if they would have, if they would have, if, if this season would have been fraught with tensions between Barry and Cisco for the entire season. And it was part of the season finale where he forgave, gave him. Oh, the only reason. To me, that would have a, that would have a much more emotional impact than to basically have him do that on Legends of Tomorrow in a crossover episode. I just think that the timing of it, it, it was it felt a little bit soon and a little bit forced because they were trying to do it in the crossover. Dan, I mean, keep going since I had to interrupt you to disagree <laughs> with your across no, the board no, statement. No, I, no, I didn't. I did mean yet. I apologize for not including the word yet at the end of that. Um, the It's one of those situations where every time during the course of this season, like Barry is at some sort of like, oh, no, this thing got affected in Flashpoint and now I have to fix it. Woe is me for having to fix it. I just I'm I'm looking at my screen and I'm like, screw you, Barry, because I just like you caused these problems and now you're complaining about having to fix the problems that you caused like Caitlin going crazy because she's gaining these powers that she can't control. You caused that Dante dying. You caused that Joe and uh, Iris having differences over 
that were retroactively recreated through Flashpoint over not telling uh, Joe about Wally, you caused that. Dig and Sarah, that whole thing. He caught, like, there. I, I understand from an individual's perspective of wanting to see, see and save your parents. I get that. I support that 100%. That being said, there are a bazillion okay. people Time in out. this world. He didn't deliberately that... do any of it. He didn't. That's the thing I don't like about this whole this whole idea of him feeling so everyone making him feel guilty and going off is that he didn't deliberately set out to hurt anybody or do anything wrong. There was no deliberate intention for him. So for for anyone not to well, forgive but, him. But Craig, you can but Craig, you can do something unintentionally and majorly hurt your friends and it take them a while they, to forgive you. I mean, if it's a the, little I mean, anger, the, I mean, but nobody, I mean, they're blaming him for something that he did not intentionally do. Okay. I mean, it's like, it's like blaming your child for knocking something off of the, off of the, the shelf. You're, you're relieved that your child didn't get hurt. You, well, if it was, if it was an urn from the Ming dynasty, there no, would be some if big your child is, a, if it's a complete I'm, accident and no intention and it's, it, it wasn't even but Craig, mm. the thing about Barry is Barry knew when he went back in time that he could change stuff. And Understood. he had been warned about Understood. doing it before. So you can't Under say that he Understood. did it unknowingly. He didn't deliberately attempt to hurt anyone. And so so if there's if there's but he a would, but he if was, there's a he was aware that it could happen when he did it. Subliminal anger. If if there's if uh Cisco has a subliminal anger that just pops up every once in a great while. But Barry's been his friend forever, and your immediate instinct when your friend is, does something really goofy is to is to not, particularly when it's not an intentional act, it, your immediate instinct is not to just w piss and whine and moan about it. I get what you're saying on one hand, but on the other hand, I would say that there's two different scenarios for people who have right to be indignant. The first would be Diggle. I don't really think that a man who's never known that he has had a child of a different gender has a whole lot of right to be indignant. But for Cisco, who has just who is still dealing with the death of his brother and finds out that the it's he's dead because of Barry and is still like dealing said, with his grief. Because things have recently changed, that is entirely subliminal different. Anger. If he wants this, to have this, this kind of every once in a while popping out is, is I don't much think more, it's subliminal. No, I'm saying it should be. It should be like he knows it. He knows that Barry didn't. I mean, this is where acting comes in. This is where real acting comes in. Where where he doesn't. He knows he sh he really shouldn't be angry with Barry because it, Barry didn't do anything intentionally. Craig, but I will. I will do. I'll, I'll give a different comparison. If in real life. You and my and my brother were tri driving two different vehicles, and there was a car accident, and you accidentally yes. killed my brother. Even though you and I have been friends for, what, 16, 17 years, I'm pretty sure that I would have a really hard time with that and that it would come to the surface quite a lot like well, maybe it does that's... for Cisco. Even though, even, though, even though you didn't intentionally mean to kill my brother, these are two people who were best friends. You are mm -hmm. one of my best friends. 
if if you killed my brother, I would that would still come up regardless I of how good a friendship if, we had. If, there was, and it, if it was not my fault, <laughs> if it's something that that was not, I mean, if I wasn't drunk or something, you know, really bad that that would be completely an error. That I just turned onto a street and and your brother was whatever. If it was just. Say it was in the middle of winter and two cars were sliding on ice and you were in them. Let's and say I knocked up. into, I knocked that's into sti- one car a, that knocked into the your diff- brother's But once car, again, the difference. Like but correct. But once again, the difference between that is you don't do that knowingly, and Barry knows that when he goes back in time to change things, it changes yes, things. And so we're going down there, in the weeds, there... Dan. Finish up your thing about the hundredth episode, then I'll go to Craig and he can use it for his rebuttal. <laughs> okay, but I, I just I just want to say one thing: there were three or four different versions of Barry Allen in that living room alone. From the amount of times he's gone back in time, he knows exactly. what what to expect. That's all I'm gonna say. Anyways, so exactly l- legends wise, I I I absolutely loved the the various elements and Nate interacting with Oliver again and having that kind of dynamic um th- there was there was so much good and Sarah and uh Cisco in the plane although I will say the final battle the big battle and all that stuff and I'm going to make this comparison and it's going to sound a little crass it was beautifully shot but so many of those shots like from a cinematography perspective it felt like one big hand job for Greg Berlanti. It was like, let me focus on all of my creations, all of my creation. Like, it was just kind of like, okay, I understand you have like all of this freedom to do all of this stuff. And you've shut down how many blocks in Vancouver. I get it. But the camera works making me dizzy. Stop. Like these spinning, like these unnecessary spinning shots with Oliver and Mick, I'm like that. That combo doesn't even make sense. Why would you do? Why? Uh, it, like I loved it, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, this is a bit much. Come on. But overall, like the end point, and I'm sure we're gonna discuss this a little bit more afterward. But the aftermath was incredible, and. Honestly, this might be my favorite portion of the the crossover. Legends of Tomorrow is my favorite yes. of all four episodes, without question. Craig, what did you think of the Legends of Tomorrow? Well, first of all, <laughs> <laughs> I can totally see Barry being Barry sunk in incredible sense of guilt. No doubt about that. Barry is going to be incredibly guilty. And and everyone knows that, including Cisco and all these other people that have had things happen. I mean, knowing that your friend is hurting because he did something to uh, to and accidentally killed your brother, like you killing my brother, I can understand them uh, having a little bit of sympathy for the fact that he did something so horrible. Angry that it happened, but but Barry is going to be soaked in in intense guilt as he is, and he should be because he did this. So when you're talking about other people forgiving him, that's completely different than Barry and his guilt, which will which will never go away. I mean, so I, 
but I think both Dan and I are looking at it. We're not looking at it. Barry, you said it was easy for Cisco. It was too easy for Cisco to forgive. But what I'm, what we're looking at it through the lens of Cisco, and for us, you seems too easy that Cisco is forgiving. Okay. That's our that's our point. Cisco. If you if you kill person whose brother just died, accidentally was not your intention. I would be angry that it happened, but Luke, I would not. But is if it wasn't. Craig, you're a better that. man I'm than no I. We it. both know this. Never in my life have I ever doubted that being the case. <laughs> so now that we've hashed this one, keep going on with the 100th episode because we have other stuff, things in this episode to get to that I well, want to anyway, talk about and the okay, Superman. So keep going. I had some real flaws in this. First of all, we know for a fact in, in the DC universe that Supergirl and Superman are not the only superheroes in in uh, in uh, what in her universe 38 or whatever. Just to clarify, what do you she mean says, by superheroes? She said, are you referring to aliens? Are you wait, are you referring to I'm aliens talking about or superheroes? When when Kara is telling the, the crowd in the in the other universe that uh, if all these people working together that don't have near as much power as me and my cousin in the other universe, but we're the only ones in the other universe. Well, we know that's not true. We know that at least Batman is over in the other universe. So that really threw me out. Yeah. And Martian Martian Manhunter. So that threw me completely out of the moment. And the fact that uh, I hated the fact that, uh, that I really hated the fact that Arrow told Superman, Supergirl not to go along. They're fighting these supposedly really dangerous aliens and if they lose the battle they lose the earth etc 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 and they he tells her not to go along that's like not not taking uh taking um doc holiday to the okay corral if you're wyatt Earp. it's like not taking a tank into the battle if you're if you're commanding a commanding an army it's like not taking hulk along with you when you're in a fight so that uh, that completely completely blew me away that if if someone else may have said it but not arrow arrow does some really awful shit to get to get where he wants to go i mean he's he's the one that takes the takes the risks and shoots people and kills them when when it's necessary so that really threw me out of the hole well you and i yes, you and i have I, already argued about this off the podcast i will only point out that Arrow also had problems with his own team. If Dan his has a rebuttal to that, you're his welcome to share it, Dan. His own team isn't the most powerful but... person on the face of the planet at that moment. There's a little difference. The the only reasoning that I could possibly think of of Oliver not wanting to bring Supergirl along is Oliver has this tactical mind in which he likes to utilize things he knows about, utilize all of these different, like... He he likes to come at things from his own perspective. He, he's this he universe is Batman. Truly, well, I this said universe. Captain America is what I would have said. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, but from Batman's perspective, Batman the detective likes to know everything. Oliver is Bat uh, Arrowverse the detective or yeah, strategist. Yeah, it's, it's one of the situations where because of the fact that he's not a meta, he has no powers, none of this stuff. He just has tactics and strategy and he utilizes the data presented to him Kara after going through what he went through with the probing and the hallucinogen and all of this different stuff but remember he didn't have any problem with her going originally and now all of a sudden he has a problem with it 
he also didn't have a probe up his That's ass true. at that point. Either. I don't I don't see that as any any effect at all on on the fact that he's he's all of a sudden not going to trust this sweet little blonde girl. Okay, well, keep going with your thoughts on the hundredth episode Sorry, Dan, or on the Legend of Tomorrow episode. I understand what they were. We're not going oh. to win, and the most you can ever do with Craig is take him to a draw. You're never going to win, so we'll we'll just have I, to oh, take no, Craig got, to yeah, a draw. No, it's not on the reason Dan. they did it and why they thought they could do it, but you don't. You know, if you have a bazooka, you don't take a, a cap pistol. You just don't. Even though the bazooka is a lot more dangerous to you, you don't you don't take a cap pistol. So anyway. I also I also think there's like an emotional aspect to this where like Kara is like you you compared her earlier to like a teeny bopper esque mentality where like every, the audience is actively rooting for Kara to succeed every single time because of her positivity and her kid like nature. But Oliver kind of represents the like the dark realities of the world. Let's put it this way. Kara is someone who still has goals, hope. who still has uh, hope. And, and Oliver became Oliver mayor. is someone Oliver. void Oliver of hope. mayor because he still had hope. Yes, that's no, he didn't. He became he became mayor because he wanted to try and have be in a better position. I'm sorry. That's called hope. That's not hope. Sorry. Pardon me. But keep that's called hope. That's called hope. Keep keep going about the hundred episode. (laughs) Okay, I'll go around. I'm sorry. He had hope or he wouldn't be (laughs) gone. For Legends of Tomorrow. uh, What did you think? Okay. first of all. I totally disagree with you. On, well, not disagree with you. I don't know if I'm disagreeing with you or not. But I, I like Marvel Legends of. I like <laughs> Make Marvel up your mind, Legends Craig. Of tomorrow, I, you know, I'm trying to think whether eventually, because it is campy. It's like a '60s campy show. I'm I'm saying that the Marvel Legends aren't Marvel. I keep saying Mar- DC Legends of Tomorrow is is campy. It's like it's like the old Batman TV show in the '60s. That's, That's what, what I'm makes saying. it fun. So I mean, I like it because. I mean, I watch Arrow. I would watch Arrow first, by the way, instead of Marvel. Or Marvel. I'm going to keep saying Marvel. Quit DC saying Legends Marvel. of Tomorrow. I know it's DC. All four of these shows are infinitely better than Agents of Shield. So do I'll, not bring us into I Marvel. I like Agents of Shield, frankly, but the, but I'm an old Marvel fan. Well, I'm not saying I you understand. can't like them. I'm I do not think that Supergirl is as good as Legends of or as. Uh, uh, now you got me now all confused. You... The Marvel show, Legends of Supergirl <laughs> of Shield. Yeah. I think Supergirl. This not is what as we do when Shield. we drink. We when we bring Craig to a draw, Dan. We we might not be able to beat him in an argument, but we can get him confused <laughs> enough that it stops. Marvel Agents of Shield. I think that's definitely better than Super, particularly with Ghost Ghost Rider. I think that's made it much better. That's been really an interesting storyline. Adding adding Ghost Rider in. Anyway, but you digress. I, I, now Going that is back to legends. actually, Luke. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, I digress. I get so um, Supergirl and Ghost Rider. So anyway, so... <laughs> sitting in a tree, K I S S I N G. That would be a combination. Those two together would be really. That would be hot stuff. <laughs> and she could. No, I need her. I need her and Heatwave in a buddy cop episode. Well, I'm I mean, sorry, Ghost Rider. They had the you know head on fire and and Heatwave together. What cool. Anyway. Yes, I like the Legends of Tomorrow because it's campy and it's funny and it and you got these the silly guy with the like the fire gun, the silly guy with the frost gun and the silly the silly uh doctor and his and his uh fiery pal. I mean, I'm sorry. 
Oh, yeah. Martin Firestorm. And, yeah, and exactly. Firestorm. So, I mean, it, it really is. And Ray is like the campiest of them all. He could be he could be Burt Ward in the original the original Batman. He could say, <laughs> holy snikes, um, Firestorm. I mean, you can just see it. Honest to God. So I do like it. It is fun. It is it is cute. But that's not my ideal. You don't think it's vastly improved over no, last well, I, season? It, I liked Rip a lot. I know you didn't. I liked Rip a lot. I, so, but regardless of Rip, for the storylines and the yeah, epi- the I way think, the episodes think, are constructed and yes, how the I team think, are gelling, yes. this season would you agree that this season I is significantly season better? Is significantly better. Uh, with the I don't okay. I don't like Snark being gone and I don't like Rip being gone. But other than that, I agree. yes, storylines are storylines are better. Uh, the the episode this is this is probably my favorite episode next to the Matrix one. Um, I, you know, I like the way it worked. I like the fight scenes. I don't think the fight scenes were terribly realistic. And I don't think, again, these, these guys have no superpowers and they're fighting people that are the, the aliens that are immensely powerful and fighting the metas, they're immensely powerful. So they're not like easily taken down. Our Supergirl and Flash would have, by the way, why doesn't Flash have a, any kind of sword or knife would make him immensely powerful. Well, he just slash everybody's throat and everybody would be dead. So I'm not sure why he, they don't give him a weapon other than they never had one in the comic books. Uh, a weapon for a guy that moves that fast, I mean, he's going to kill everybody. Do you, do you <laughs> wait, wait, whoa, wait whoa, whoa. back up for a second. Do you really want to change the character that we love as Barry Allen with Grant no. Gustin into a samurai I'm just slasher? He would be, he would be th- he with would, the speed force? Be nobody I'm that'd sorry. Be able to challenge no. him if he's got a if he's got a katana sword or something. I mean, easy, th- easy there, <laughs> Zack Snyder. I, I don't, I don't even, I don't even, <laughs> I don't even want to see I, that in one of his many speedster villains that I'm getting as sick of as I am with arrow flashbacks. But I know I do not want to see any speedster with, with katana anyway, swords. I'm no, just, I'm gets the katana and that's, thank you I'm about just, the Zack Snyder. Jay, uh, Craig I'm is going saying, off the rails. I'm that him him with those aliens supergirl and he if if the if the non-metas can fight those guys supergirl and and flash should have made short work of them because they're going super speed they can you know they could kill them all in a heartbeat you know as fast as they're putting that she's running all over the countryside instead of killing them i don't know what the hell she was doing except putting that device on them um you'd, you'd think that you know there's a slight flip of the wrist and a with a katana sword they'd be dead instead so you wouldn't have to worry about him ever coming back. Um, I, I think so, they were going okay. for a, like a hu- like a somewhat humane approach. I'm not exactly because like there was a certain level of like causing them immense pain, but it still ended up like causing them to retreat. And I think that was like the end goal because at the end of the day, they still wanted to be better than the perception of like. The aliens' perception the aliens of who them, killers. which is like, oh, these metas are dangerous. They might destroy the humans, which means they'll later destroy us. Yeah. Yeah. That's understood. Any other thoughts I need, before I, think I get we to need mine, to Craig? Magneto over as a crossover. Oh He'd my take gosh. care of those damn aliens. Right, 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 right quick. 
Okay, so since since you are literally going off the rails, I'm going to just point out a few things that I thought was interesting about the episode. I'm very intrigued about Martin Stein's daughter um, Ooh, and how that's good. going to play. Um, because we, she is going to be sticking around. We will be seeing her in more episodes. I like the fact that not only now is Martin Stein, well, first he had the secret about Barry from the future, and now he has the secret about a daughter that he didn't have before. Um, and how all of a sudden he's now maybe going to try and have the best of both worlds by trying to get back his wife while keeping his daughter. That can only end badly. Going to just some of my favorite moments from the crossover, but most of them came in the Legends of Tomorrow episode. When Ray Palmer said to Sarah that Supergirl looked yes. just like his cousin, oh, that was... I about died. Besides Kara and Heatwave, that was one, my, one of my all-time favorite things. There's one of those um, campy things. moments. I uh, I wouldn't call that campy. That's, a reference. that's an Easter egg. That's a reference. That is not a campy moment. That is that's an outright campy. reference. I loved Sarah and Heatwave hitting <laughs> on the president, talking oh, about yeah. how that hot was... she was. It was like, they, they might as well just be like, I'd tap that. Another moment, this is going back a little bit, but when I, I watched Glee, I did not particularly, particularly care for Melissa in Glee because she was part of the new group. And I think that there was problems with the way the new students were Absolutely. introduced on that show. And, and so I had grave reservations when they made her as Supergirl. And in the first season of Supergirl, for me, it was all about watching Cat. And Cat was the reason I tuned in every week. Supergirl, I got to see her grow a little bit. But in this season, I feel like She's really coming into her own, in part because of the stories, in part because of Monel, um, and also because she no longer has Cat there to rely on. She's sort of having to strike out on her own. I also think that what they're doing with Lena Luther is good. So she's she's progressively getting more interesting and a better character for me. But when she was in that scene with the 1950s guy and she just walks up to him with that sweet little face and starts telling him about how she's told the president yeah. uh, that they on her earth, they have a organization that handles this type of thing and how she suggested that he be reassigned to the Arctic that and then she just turned on her heel and her ponytail flipped and it was like. That's a mean, that's a good girl turned mean girl, but yet still a good girl. And I was like, I really enjoyed that moment. And I also enjoyed when we had Barry, um, Oliver and Supergirl sort of come together in that hug where Barry and Supergirl want to hug it out. And Oliver is just like, what have I gotten <laughs> myself into? I really enjoyed that moment. So, and then the other thing that I was going to just ask is, did I miss on Legends of Tomorrow? when Ray got his suit back, because where oh. did his suit come from? I so thought he was still working on that. Cisco apparently developed it for him. No. Uh, so in between the last episode of Legends, where they they got all yeah. of that dwarf star back, yeah, he mined okay. the dwarf star and created the suit in the meantime. Yeah. But Cisco still... So that was that, that was, was all done, done off screen. screen? Cisco right. still wants to upgrade the okay. suit, and but there's there is an upgrade coming. Didn't Cisco some help him? Okay, because I was because I was looking it, at I that. I was like, that's, I thought that was uh, Cisco had helped, but he still wanted to upgrade it. Is that not it, right? No, it's it's a it's so, a future upgrade f for Ray's suit that we we haven't seen yet, but we're going to see later. So basically, they he mined. Yes. They got the dwarf star. He made his new suit, 
off screen, and which is why I missed it. He, so he shows up with the suit. Cisco sees it and says, yes, I'm going to exactly. give you some upgrades. Okay. Dan, what were your favorite moments of this episode or the entire I mean, crossover? One, one that we haven't mentioned yet, but it was a really kind of powerful moment. Um, Oliver and Sarah toward the end walking as Sarah's walking toward the time ship. She, she looks at Oliver and is like, you ever think this whole thing started with the two of us? That was really good. It, it gave me chills and, and you repeating uh, it is giving me chills. It's one of those things where like you think about it and you're like the arrow and the canary were that, that dynamic started this whole giant Berlanti verse that now we have four shows and we have all of these earths and we have time travel. A five hour cruise. He's cheating on Laurel with Sarah. (laughs) But it's still, but it still began with her and him. And that was very good. Any others, Dan? Yeah, no, it was very interesting, but I, I was more referring to, well, not only getting on the cruise, but also, the becoming heroes, those were the first two. I mean, I guess Huntress for like a day, but that <laughs> it, it's more Oliver and Sarah than anyone else, uh, you know, as it stands right now. But there were, there were so many, so many great moments that I just, th- this was a good, this was like, all of the friend groups that you have all getting together. It's similar to in other television shows or mediums. Luke, you might know uh, where I'm going with this, where Mm -hmm. like there's a Christmas episode (laughs) or there's a funeral episode or they're having some big event. And, you know, maybe there's a, a hotel fire it's the proverbial it's the proverbial family dinner that goes can go wrong but in the end exactly comes and you together. see the old characters that you know and you love and you get to see the dynamics that you used to just adore i mean there the idea that ray would be the one ray the person who is trying to step into snart's shoes to tell barry that snart is dead and that he saved everyone. The idea that, uh, I mean, um, Caitlin has to be the one to tell Stein, hey, you're being a dick. It, uh, those, those dynamics we don't get to see anymore between these characters. It, it's a glimpse into what we enjoyed. And that that's what a lot of the Berlantiverse used to like has gotten us to appreciate it over the course of, you know, five years on an Island in hell where, wherever Oliver spends his time, you know, wherever flashbacks, flashbacks, yeah. Craig, what were your favorite moments from this episode or uh, well, my single favorite crossover? moment, believe it or not, was when, uh, when Laurel's father, um, uh, the, the police captain said he's grown into, I worried about you in the beginning, but you've grown into something. I can't remember exact quote, but. So your favorite movie was a, or your favorite moment yeah, exactly. was a hallucination. That was just, okay. that was kind of amazing. Okay. That kind of made me feel like, you know, there was hope for, hope for uh, Arrow. And in his hallucination, he felt that himself. 
that was that was that was one of my favorites and the other one was when uh, when um supergirl was introducing kind of introducing the names and trying to so she'd remember of them the of the uh superheroes in the other universe superheroes and non superheroes in the uh, in the new universe i liked that a lot that seemed that seemed really kind of a, a touching moment and i became engaged at that moment before we wrap this episode up, I want to touch on the Superman introduction to Supergirl. It's not something we've discussed on the podcast, but it's something that Craig and I have debated off the podcast. And we have very differing views. And since I don't want to end this thing on a dour or Debbie Downer note, I'm going to let Craig go first. Craig, what did you think of Tyler Hecklin as Superman on Supergirl? Honest to God, season? I just, I don't see the point. I would have much rather had... I would have much rather had Tom Welling come back as Superman. And I really like that series. Just like I like, that's the best Lex Luthor I've ever seen. And that includes Gene Ackman and, and, uh, and Kevin Spacey. I, I think that I love that whole die. I didn't necessarily like the show and every episode, but as far as just the, the characters, I thought they were really good. The guy feels like he doesn't feel like he's on the screen. I don't see him quote eating up the scenery. I think I think maybe he's playing it too straight or something, and I just I just don't I don't feel it. I don't see him as super Superman. I don't he he doesn't have the charm or charisma that Dean Cain did. I don't think Dean Cain was the greatest Superman in the world, but for that show he was okay. The Lois and Clark show. I just I just don't get it. I am so so I'm I'm, I'm going to hold off and see how he develops in the in the role. But uh, that's just my opinion. Dan. I, I haven't seen a ton of different Supermans. I haven't seen the Dean Cain version, or I haven't seen, like, the old, old, old ones. George Reeves. Uh, y- yeah. But I have to say, this is the best version of Superman that I've seen. Uh, you like him better than the, oh Henry my gosh, yes. than the movies. Don't like uh, so much better. than like, Because, like, there's hope in his eyes there's there's smiling there's there's a a charm of clark kent and so much of these movies that we're seeing through dc and Zack snyder and just very very misguided notions that because he's an alien he needs to be moody about it he needs to angst over the not only his planet being destroyed but this great burden that's been placed on him of being the last son of krypton and the hope to all of earth and it humanity itself um it's it's really interesting to see an alternate perspective where we get to see someone bring out so much of humanity and humanity's likeness to Kryptonians in his relationship with Kara. And during those episodes, that's exactly what you get to see. You get to see them interact in a way that, I guess, makes Superman more relatable. Like, so much of these movies are trying to make Superman relatable by making him worry and angst and think about all of these problems that are going on in the world and stuff like that when the reality is human interest from 
our interpersonal relationships is much more compelling than these giant world topics. When I originally read the casting, I was sort of cautiously concerned because I watched him in Teen Wolf. I liked him in Teen Wolf, but I didn't see him. I, I had a hard time visualizing him in my head as Superman. And when the initial on the set photos came out where the the outfit didn't fit very well and it still gave me concern. I went into the Superman episodes where he shows up as Clark Kent and then Superman with concern. But I figured, okay, it's Superman. So far, the Berlanti-verse has done almost all of these characters. I really think that of all the different characters that we have on the four shows, Jimmy Olsen <laughs> is the worst cast one. They totally missed Jimmy mm -hmm. Olsen, in my opinion. But... As I was watching the first episode, I was like, okay, this is more along the classic movie, like from when when I've watched the Reeves movies, like the ones that I've watched, the vibe that they were giving for him was much more of that classic Clark Kent. I, I love Dean Cain and Lois and Clark. I loved Tom Welling as Clark Kent. But what I came to the realization by the time he left and was that while this isn't the Clark Kent that I expected, it wasn't the Clark Kent that I necessarily would have thought would make me excited to watch him. It was the Clark Kent that was perfect for the Supergirl universe. And I think that part of that is how they introduced him with Kara or Kara. I think that part of it is how they didn't have him the care superman overpower supergirl on her own show which could have very easily happened if it had been done incorrectly i think that it was because uh they they did a much better job of giving the clark kent side than the superman side on the show and so for a character that we're only going to get to see a few times a season I thought that he ended up turning out really well. And honestly, if we were to get a spinoff series for him, I would watch it because I think that he could do a good job at it. It just wouldn't be the Clark Kent that I initially had in my head. Um, and, and I think maybe part of that is because on both Smallville and on Lois and Clark, it was Lois and Clark. And then we had Lois and, and Clark. Uh, and Le or uh, Lana and Clark on Smallville. I think that part of the reason why I didn't quite feel that right is because I didn't have that character here to interact with him that much. So I don't know. If they do a crossover, I'm looking forward to it. But that does, the final topic is wrapping this up. If you had one character that you could introduce to the Berlanti-verse, either through the Flash jumping to other realms or being introduced in the actual Earth-1, Obviously, we can't choose Batman, Bruce Wayne, because that's never going to happen, because Warner Brothers will never let it happen. Who would you pick? Um, I might venture to to pick there. There's a character in in the Flashverse that I really enjoy, and her name is Mina in, in the new rebirth. She is also a speedster. Um, she had like, she has a special ability within her, uh, within the speed force 
I, I want to say it's to identify identify aspects of um, someone's uh, abilities and see their potential kind of thing. Kind of like what HR is doing on a human level. She does it on like a speedster level. Because uh, um, one okay. of the main storylines of uh, Flash Rebirth so far has been uh, there was a particle accelerator explosion again during a lightning storm and half a central city got hit with lightning. So so you would want this character introduced as her own new show or in, introduced into the into Flash first because she's Okay, because oh. I was meaning new show. I, I I apologize if I explained it incorrectly. I was meaning like which new show would you like? Oh, I mean I I I'd really like a Roy Harper show. Like n- not necessarily well, they could probably go into a new character and do the way they the way they handle Roy Harper in DC Comics these days with attaching him with Red Hood and like they have this whole team of outlaws that they fight bad guys with, but they're kind of rough around the edges and stuff. It's, it's a really interesting concept that I kind of would like to see them explore. I know everyone wants to go green lantern, but it's everybody wants green lantern. Everything I listen to is green Lantern. No, like I'm, I'm talking about everything I read and listen to. Everybody wants green lantern to have his own TV show. Arrow and Green Lantern, maybe it's because they're both green, are neither comics that I've really followed much. And I basically only pay attention to Green Lantern when he's in a Justice League something or other. So that he would not be my pick. Craig, if you could introduce one DC comic character other than Batman Bruce Wayne for its own show, who would you have? If you're going to make this a five-night instead of a four-night extravaganza. It has to be someone that lives in the Mar- uh, the DC universe. Is that correct? Correct. It cannot be a Marvel character. <laughs> and it can't be someone outside the universe. It cannot be Squirrel Agents Girl. of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, I was thinking, no, I was thinking somebody like no. Hercules is what I was thinking. But uh, if I can't say Hercules, which I think would be really interesting, uh, how about the Karate Kid? <laughs> no, that is not yes, a DC is. comic. I'm looking through the list. Not with it. Not within the regular comic superhero universe. Oh, so he is not a superhero. He's, oh, he's not a superhero. Yes. Is that what you're saying? I am saying that Karate Kid is not a superhero. <laughs> Very yes. controversial comments by Luke Kerr. I don't. I don't get. I don't uh-huh. get your. I don't get your question. Then, if I can't have whoever I want. I am talking about the many characters that show up in the JSA or JLA. If you could introduce, I can't believe I'm having to go this far down the rope or the road. If you could introduce one of them, who would it be? Would you do another Hawkman with a much better actor who wasn't just wooden all the time? Would you, would it be Green Lantern? Sergeant would it Rock. be someone else? <laughs> okay. Um, well, I'm I, no, I'm going no, to play seriously. a little fast and seriously. loose with Mike. How about Doctor Midnight? How would that work? Would that be okay? Oh, well, it's your yeah. Choice. You keep it's telling me I can't choose what I want. <laughs> no, I'm I'm saying if you're as long as you're picking a superhero, I, I don't Midnight care uh, which one I it is you're I interested av- in. I avoided the I'm Mighty Morphin a- Power Rangers because they're about to cross over with the Justice League of America in the newest comics. 
And you know a thing or two about Power Rangers because you hosted a podcast for four years, 300 and some episodes Yes, I did. On that. Uh, four and a half years, 380 episodes. Is that still available if anybody wanted to go back? Who has yes, yes, it is. Uh, there is. It, you can still uh, find it on it's, iTunes? Or? It's more through our um, our our Google Drive. Um, it, it, it's data-based. All, all of the episodes are numbered and labeled, and everything is all organized, as well okay. as our interviews and all sorts of fun stuff that we did back then. The Power Rangers is how we ended up having Dan on the podcast today, because I was like, I saw the trailer in the theaters, and I was like, I know someone who's a pretty big Power Rangers fan, and Power Rangers is coming out, and I know nothing about it other than the fact that I had to babysit kids who were really into it from time to time. And so I'm like, I'm going to talk to Dan. And that discussion led to, hey, do you want to come on and talk about superheroes? I, um, so I'm yeah, glad that it I worked out. Yes, Craig? I would love to see it if DC would would get a hold of the rights, if they could, to somebody like uh, Green Hornet or The Shadow and bring them into the DC universe. I think they would make a terrific addition to the, uh, to the world we're talking about. What do you guys think? I really like the movie. I know that's a super unpopular opinion. No, I agree with you. I enjoyed the movie, too. Which one? The the uh, Seth Rogen and uh, the recent oh, yeah I can't remember his name but it was he was a really good actor playing Shadow yeah the Green Hornet comics are licensed to you DC go. Comics so it's possible then that I'll they choose could. Green Hornet instead um, I'm gonna play uh, <laughs> okay uh, I'm gonna actually stretch the limits for the brute like the Batman topic because with this being the CW and it's infinite emphasis on like teens and that type of thing. If we can't have, we'll never get Bruce Wayne ever, but considering that we have legends of tomorrow flying back and forth in time, considering we have flash being able to jump realms. I do not think that it would be too difficult for us to get Terry McGinnis as Batman beyond in a youth centric superhero series set in futuristic Gotham. I think that uh, it would be the perfect combination because you could get the dark Batman vibe that you can, you can get from Gotham on Fox, but with a super, uh, with a futuristic twist and you can get the Terry McGinnis as um, Batman. And so you can see the layer and all that other stuff. I think that that would be a way to do it. Hey, okay, if they but... go with the Batman beyond thing, they can, they can, it gives them enough roots in that specific generation exactly. to maybe introduce a static shock. With the, the time travel aspect, if we were able to figure out where it's on another Earth and they end up in the future where it's Batman Beyond when they go through one of those portals, I think that you could have, quote unquote, Batman in the DC Berlantiverse without ever having to touch on the sacred cow that it cash cow that yeah, is Batman proper. I agree. As we wrap this up, um, we would encourage you to follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash GK confidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash GK confidential. Craig, where At can Z they find Movie you Maniac. on Twitter? Dan, where can they find you? And if they have a passion for Power Rangers, where can they find the uh, well, archive? The archive is located. The, the best way to go about it is to look, Look us up on Facebook, like us at uh, Dan's Toku Rants, D-A-N apostrophe S-T-O-K-U-R-A-N-T-S. 
me personally on Twitter, I'm at Dan Pierce 42 P E A R C E. It's all one word. The Dan Stoker Rants Twitter is also uh, available. Um, we're all kind of kind of taking a, a, a chill pill and kind of ended the show a bit, but the entire archive of the last four and a half, five years uh, is a great resource. Uh, a lot of actors we talked to, a lot of different conventions we covered, uh, writers, producers. I'm, I'm still getting stuff between the Boom Comics, MMPR stuff, uh, Lionsgate's MMPR movie coming out. There's a lot of exciting things coming forth. Uh, Power Rangers Ninja Steel coming out in 2017. It, it, it's a good time to be a fan, and I would highly encourage you to check all that stuff out. You realize that you're going to be my go-to geek for Power I Rangers, cannot right? wait. I'm glad you can't because, like I said, it was kids who were younger than me who I had to watch – and then it was still going on when I was in college. And I was like, not that I have anything against them. It's just that I so, don't have a connection to it. It's not one of those things that I grew so up question, with, quote Dan, unquote. Are they going to um, move the Power Rangers into an adult kind of role? Have you seen the trailer? That is definitely it, not. So they're never thing. going to do that then. I'd say it's a, of a more mature level, but it's still rooted in high school. But they also are skewing a little bit away from the the source material of the original show in that instead of going power based it it feels more alien and foreign um in like just conceptually okay knowing as little as i do about Power rangers when i saw the trailer and since i am not a diehard in any way shape or form i thought to myself for what little I know about the premise, the way they're reconstructing it is divergent, but it could work. It's, it's really interesting, and Brian Cranston said this when he saw the scripts, because he's in the movie. Um, he, uh-huh. he was like, this is, like, I, he was part of the original show, and he took a look at these new scripts, and he was like, this is a little bit Dark Knight take on... Batman similarly to how Power Rangers is to the original Batman animated series kind of thing where it's it it it's got a lot of the source material but just enough of a difference a twist you know character dynamics and stuff like that and that kind of subtlety that there makes them really excited about the 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 project um that being said, I have zero expectations because they've messed up so many times with uh, being on a big stage that I just I- I'm cynical at this point. <laughs> well, as always, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Luke underscore Kerr. If you have any comments on this, visit Geek Confidential to comment on the episode. Um, Dan's going to be hanging around for another episode this week for Fantastic Beasts and Work to Find Them. So until next time, so long. Bye. Bye, everybody.